Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to wydellonwinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm here talking with my new best friend in the World Trade Center Tower in New York. <laughs> My only friend in there that I know of at this point, and that is uh, Diana Lee, and what a phenomenal uh, uh, momentum uh, company she's got, but the momentum, 370% growth in the last two years. She said they're on track to go over 40 million this year. They just started with her and one other guy. She was the same, on the front end. She had a, a back end, you know, the, the computer uh, guy to follow through the, you know, make everything happen there. And four million in revenue the first year coming from 15 to 18 hour days. And now, uh, uh, you know, uh, prospecting and seeing people and now revenue up to 40 million. Number 10, Inc. Magazine has noticed and has uh, certified them as the number 10 fastest growing uh, company in the United States being led by a female. And so uh, pretty significant, uh, amazing achievement to be in that group period, number 56 overall. So congratulations uh, on Constellation Agency in a big way and congratulations on your move into the World Trade Center and your new 50,000 square foot space. So uh, talk about, so I'm talking with Diana and the last thing we, we touched on was organic growth. The thing is it gives you an advantage, uh, but they didn't fall into your lap. I mean, that cannot be, uh, <laughs> You know, you were doing 15 to 18 hour days of prospecting when you started, but uh, there's no way, there's no way you would have done 4 million uh, in the first year had you not been, you know, had some kind of connection with the people uh, that you were going to see, some kind of tie-in, you know, but it's not like they said, okay, Diana, we know you, uh, you got our business. You had to earn it, even though, it was still organic growth. Absolutely, Larry. I didn't put more than $22,000 into Constellation for the first year and a half of launching Constellation. We had no money. I, I basically couldn't get a loan from a bank. Nobody would give me a credit line. Um, it was pretty difficult. You know, there were days that I had sleepless nights because I wasn't sure if I could hit payroll or not. And I never, ever miss payroll. And I never miss, um, you know, making sure that our people were taken care of. But there were a lot of nights that me and my partner, Matt, would worry. And, you know, having a partner where they would stay up with you, you know, for all night and just talk through it therapeutically was so helpful. Um, and Matt and I don't have a lot in common, but we both cared about the business enough that what 
when things really bothered me, he was always there to listen to me. And I thought that is such a gift to have and also to have a partner that is that supportive. Um, we've gone through ups and downs. We've gone through major fights. And I will tell you when we first started, Larry, this was one of our fights was I always told him I was a hunter and you are the, um, I'm the hunter and he's the uh, operations person that basically he's the farmer and, and he makes it all happen. And so for- Thank, um, thank goodness you didn't tell him he was the cow. No, actually I told him he was a cook. I, I said, I'm the hunter, you're the cook, right? So you gotta cook faster because I'm hunting as fast as I can. So okay. one day I came back from work and I said, look, I sold the shoot. And Matt, you know, is, is the technologist. And so he's like, Dana, I don't wanna really do shoots. And at the end, we, we are really gonna pitch this uh, marketing technology that we invented. So I really don't wanna do these shoots. And now, what's, the, what's the shoot? A photo shoot, a photo oh, shoot, I sold a photo shoot. And I said, what do you mean you're not gonna do the shoot? He goes, yeah, it, the dealership's way too far away. We're not gonna get in a car and, and drive all the way there. It's, it's so far away, it's like two hours away. And, and I snapped, I literally <laughs> snapped. And I said, are you kidding me? I drive nine to 15 hours every single day. Rain, shine, hot, doesn't matter. And I'm going from location to location to location. And you're complaining that you have to be in a car for two hours to go to a shoot. Snap, I literally snap. And of course, everybody was like, fine, fine, we'll do it, we'll do it. But that's how I felt is like, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this no matter what. We're never going to turn around and say, oh, I don't really want to do this. Or I'm not going to do it. That's not who we are. If we're really going to say, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to put all our energies into it. And we're all going to agree that this is what we're going to do. And so th from that point forward, we realized, look, we needed to survive. We needed to make money. We're going to still do the things that we don't actually want to do sometimes this is survival for us. How far along were you to where your knowledge that you picked up over those 15 years of consulting with companies, that operational knowledge, how far into it were you before that kicked in? Because, you know, that's the step beyond survival mode. How, and yeah. how would you describe that from the survival mode to the what mode? to where you're starting to become a company now and you're working through other people. How would you describe that? Yeah, so as we started to grow, we realized that it was exactly the opposite. We had to get to an area where we couldn't take every single mm, customization. We really needed to actually decide who we are and then stay with the core of what we actually did. And so we got there. But in the very beginning, Larry, when we actually had to make money, we did what we needed to do in order to stay alive for everybody. And, co and so uh, as that happened, you're adding on people now. And when did you, where did you, you feel like that operational uh, insight and experience gave you an advantage? 
Right. So operationally, I definitely had an advantage because of the fact that I had the 15 years of going from, you know, being a consultant. And so that part came very natural to me. So for me, Larry, the two areas that I was the strongest in was operation and sales. The strength that Matt had was strategy and creative. And then we had a third partner, Noman, who really understood development and he came from the development world. And we really stayed in our swim lanes. Like we didn't, I don't know enough about development to tell Noman what to do in that area. And I don't know enough about creative to say this is actually really beautiful and it's really not. Um, that we really stayed in our strengths and the areas that we we're really, really good at. So what, how, how would you describe development? Developments are, you know, obviously working with the developers, all the codes, making sure that the uh, machine works, making sure that we can uh, product design that development is what Matt actually does. And yeah, because you guys, you developed your own software. That's what you. We so did. You we developed Alexia, which is our own mark, marketing technology. And really, Larry, we developed it because Constellation, again, was going to fail. We didn't develop it because we wanted to. We developed it because we couldn't scale what we were doing, which we wanted to do thousands of ad units based on different types of people that lived here in this country. And because of that, we had to hyper-localize the audience. And in order to do hyper-localization, you couldn't do three to five ads. You needed to do hundreds of ads. And we realized that when we're doing it through manpower, we couldn't pencil that out financially and say that there's a business case there. We just kept having to hire people to do it and they would keep making mistakes and it would just get worse and worse and worse. Therefore, that's when we decided, you know what, forget this, we've got to go into development. And at that point, we had to find uh, somebody that could lead the development area. And that's when we found Noman. Now, talk about how did your, can you think of anything right now that people could learn from your operational experience and also uh, that, you know, that you did from the 15 years, but also applying that to your new business, you know, because, you know, you always have to make, you know, when you apply it, the situation is like what to do, but also when to do it, how to do it, where to do it, all, you know, all of those things come into play. So what did you, you know, can you think of a disaster that you avoided because you did have operational knowledge and maybe uh, uh, one that you wish you would have avoided or something like that? Hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who have actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Yeah. So Larry, one of my biggest things that I always tell everybody that I've learned in this journey is you must understand the numbers better than your controller. 
and better than anybody in your finance department. Because nobody cares about the numbers as much as you, because you're the owner. And what I mean by that is this, is there were too many businesses that I saw operationally fail because they put all of their faith towards a controller or towards the finance person, thinking that that finance or a controller was doing the right thing. And I'm not saying that they wouldn't intentionally do the right thing. I'm just saying, because you care about it more than everybody else financially, you're going to actually know when there's a mistake. And one of the things that I'll tell you is throughout the years, I've noticed mistake after mistake after mistake. One of the things I've also noticed is when I was uh, in the consulting world, I noticed that there were issues where people actually had situations where there were fraud that was happening within the company that the owner, the CEO were unaware of. One, one exact thing that I did to make sure it didn't happen ever at Constellation, because as you grow, like I love our controller, I trust her with everything. And with more and more employees that you don't know and you haven't hired because other people are making those hiring decisions, you're not sure every once in a while, there may be a bad apple that gets hired. So one of the things that I noticed when I was in the consulting world is that there was fraud happening where somebody would actually enter that it was a vendor in their systems. And the vendor was actually the employee that set up an LLC and was making payments to their LLC. I saw that happening, not just once, many times. So one of the things that I did was I made sure that when you have vendors that get added into the system, because the bigger you get, the more vendors you work with. So think about all of the software that you purchase, whether it's you know even Wi-Fi, right? You have a vendor for Wi-Fi, you have Braze, you could have um, Amazon Cloud, you could have um, Google do things, you could do uh, Slack and you can do Asana, you can do project management tools. And the vendor list just keeps growing and growing and growing because you need them to support your business. But if somebody puts in a vendor that actually is not a true vendor and you weren't aware of it and money is actually being spent there and you weren't even aware of that, then that's how people can actually steal from you. So there's just one small, tiny example that I made sure operationally, everybody at the leadership team level knows every subscription, every vendor that we use on a monthly basis because the subscription plan that we basically have for every vendor that has all of the monthly costs to it go out to every leadership team member where we verify that is the vendor that we hired. We verify the amounts that were is going to them monthly and we verify that we want to still keep that vendor. Yeah, the thing is that when uh, I was running, you know, in the growth years where I was running the training center, it was like, I made, you know, I had concept occurred to me that, and I would tell people like, I've got to know the numbers better, our numbers better than anybody in the world. If I ever go to anybody else for the company with, you know, you know, analysis, and they tell me something about persistency or whatever, and it's news to me, I failed because I should know every single number about my business than anybody else, because ultimately 
I'm responsible for the numbers and the numbers tell you whether or not you have a well-run company or not. And decay starts gradually, okay? Mm -hmm. Decay and sloppiness and it will, you know, you don't check on this person or this department because they're always good. Oh, really? Yeah, and then that's where, you know, it's like they say, when I got embezzled by, uh, uh, I won't, I don't know how much, but it was seven figures by my trusted 16 year personal assistant. Wow. Uh, the tax attorney said to me, he said, it's never the silver hair. He said, it's, it's always the silver haired grandmother who bakes cookies at the bank for everybody that embezzles the money, you know? <laughs> and, and you know, like whatever you think of Donald Trump, he's a businessman. And I, I'm a member of Trump International down in Palm Beach. And so I remember one time the the uh, head golf pro went out there and did this booklet, a course about, you know, promoting the golf course. And he had pictures of every hole and it was kind of like, anyway, he spent $15,000 on this. But that's something you do if you have a resort course and you have a lot of tourists and people coming in. You know, we we're members. You know, we don't we know the whole course. We don't need a, you know, a yardage book with pretty pictures. But he thought because he put Donald Trump at the front of it in a big picture and Donald Trump welcoming you that he was going to get a big pat on the back. When Trump saw that, he went absolutely purple. He said fifteen thousand dollars. <laughs> The guy thought, well, that's good. I only spent $15,000. He said, he said, do you know what the electricity is on this place every month? He said, it's $33,176.16. He had it off the top of his head. And that's just one of like 30 golf courses that he had. And he called, he, he yelled at him twice when he was out. It was a Saturday morning. He yelled at him twice in front of everybody in the cars when uh, he was out there playing golf. And then later, the they, they pro shop manager called me, he called two more times during the day before the day was over to scream at him again. But you know, the thing is the leaders, like the point is no one cares about those numbers more than the leader. And you've got to have that going for you. Where, you know, fraud will happen, uh, decay will happen. What are things that will happen if you don't know the numbers. I mean, you can just guarantee you're gonna have, well, one thing you can guarantee if you don't know the number, a slump. You know, if you do not know those revenues, if you do not know what's coming in, you're gonna have a slump. And so, you know, you just don't go to 40 uh, million uh, by, you know, the, the business fairy brings in more business. You've got to be a terminator. You've got to be the wolf. You've got to drive for it. So. What, uh, what are other things that you've seen sneak in, uh, in maybe in your business, but in these other businesses? And that you've got to, you know, that proves the fact you've got to keep up with the numbers. Yeah, so one of the things, Larry, that I always do is I watch the numbers every single day. There's not one day that I don't get what's called my accrual report. I know month to month, day to day, every single day in terms of every single thing that gets sold down to the penny. And so not just myself, 
but I also make sure that my sales, my account team, and anybody that works on the accounts and sales side sees the numbers on a daily basis. Because I believe in order for other people to care about the numbers, you have to make it visible for them. They need to know whether they're winning or they're losing. And they need right. to Right. Who, what place they're in? Are they doing well or are they not doing well? And there's too many leaders out there that are not transparent because they're like, oh, I don't want them to see the numbers. Oh my gosh, they're going to sue me. Oh my gosh, they're going to do this to me. Well, I would say this. You can't ask them to play a game unless you show them the rules of the game and how they could win or lose that game. And so I make it visible to them too, because if we're losing, I want them to know we're losing. If we're winning, I want them to know we're winning. Because of them, we are who we are. And you've got to keep them informed. So the numbers automatically go out there to them every day. It even has their sales and account people's name and their contributions back to the numbers, because I always believe in what's called a scorecard. You've got to make it visible to everybody, whether they're winning or they're losing. And then the third thing that we always do is every single week, we have our VP of accounts that sends a email out to every single employee in terms of where we are for the month, as well as where we are year to date and how close we are from hearing the uh, hitting the goal. And the reason that we do that is because the sales and account side cannot succeed unless they get the support of every other team member that's contributing to the success of the sales and accounts side to actually help all of the clients get what they need at the end. So it works all hand in hand. And at the end, we can't get there unless everybody's aware about whether we're doing well or not well. And everybody is accountable for that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you have shown exactly why it's not just what you say, it's what you emphasize. It's not just enough to talk about this stuff. I mentioned that to them. We, you know, we've talked about that at our, our meeting or what, no, no. It's, you've got to make it visible. You got to emphasize it. You got to break it down to where they are because people who are not proud of their numbers are not proud of their efforts. You know, and uh, uh, how can you know what to fix if you don't know the numbers? So, yeah, and there, a lot of times that measurement is not always done in real time. You've got to look at the lag measurement because everything's usually lag because it's after the fact that's actually happened. But you also have measurements that are leading measurements. You've got to measure those too. You've got to measure what's in the pipeline because. There's nothing that actually happens in sales if you don't actually have enough of a pipeline. So you've got to measure all of it all the way through because it does end up actually end up becoming sales. But a lot of it is a numbers game and you have to understand the numbers. You have to watch the numbers. You have to know that you have enough customers going into the upper funnel, eventually you go to mid funnel, and then they fall out at the lower funnel. But you yeah. not everybody's going to make it, but you have to measure everything at those stages too. Yeah, it's not just the fire that's the heat that's from the fire, uh, the woods that the wood that's on the fireplace now that matters. It's like how many logs are sitting by the fireplace 
you know, that uh, are ready to go on the fire when we need them. And, you know, who, who our next customer is going to be, you know, where's our next revenue going to come from? And then also when we run out of those logs, where are we going to, you know, where, where are we going to get the next logs from? So you have to have the pipeline, the sequence in there, or you're going to have interruptions. You know, you have to have to do it all well. Absolutely. And then my final thought on this was this, and I, it was a gift that was given to me by one of our employees. Um, and what I mean by this is the bigger you get, the less contact you have one-on-one -on -one with some of the employees, just because just time is not right. always our side to have genuine conversations uh, with every single person um, as you grow. And so for whatever reason, I ended up speaking to a young person who was 22 years old out of school, really bright. And he was having his, uh, maybe he was 23, but he had his first review his annual review. And I have no reason why I happen to be um, a part of that because typically I'm not a part of any of these types of reviews, uh, but I was in that one particular moment. It was last year. And he turned to me and I said, you know, Michael, what are some of the things that we could be doing better here? And he said, you know what, Diana, the biggest thing is sometimes I feel like I don't have the purpose to why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I was like, what do you mean you don't have the purpose? We invented Alexia. You see what Alexia is doing. You see how many customers are coming in. You see basically we're really successful. What do you mean you don't have the purpose? He goes, employees here sometimes do the day-to-day -day task. And at the end, we don't know what the vision of the company is. We don't know where it's all going and we don't know what the future mission is and we don't know where you want it to be. And it was like earth shattering to me when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm so in the day to day like everybody else that I'm not talking about what the future of constellation is what the future of alexia our platform is what we're trying to do is revolutionize the um the advertising space and they don't even understand even the beginnings of it because as we grew we forgot to continue to talk about that vision and that was the greatest gift to me larry because what i believe is this companies go under because we stop talking to the higher people we're afraid. We don't actually tell them what's wrong with the company. And we start covering it up. And the thing is, when you start covering up bad stuff, lies, you cover up stuff, that's when everything goes south. This is how I believe that General Motors and Ford both actually almost went under. When you have explosions happening in the car because the tire explodes, and nobody is telling anybody what's happening to the CEO who could stop everything because they're all covering it up. This is how companies go under. This yeah. is the start. And right. so he did me the best favor by just being able to tell me this is not working. This is the reason why it's not working. Fix it. And that is the greatest gift as a CEO when you can actually have your employees come into your office and tell you what's wrong and demand that you fix it for them.
because at least that's giving you a chance to fix it for yourself, the company, and everybody that needs to actually still hit that goal and do the things that they need to do. Yeah, well said, Diana. And uh, that's a lesson for all of us in leadership, especially as, like you said, you get bigger, you add on people, and you get in the flow. And that feedback is so important, accurate feedback. I mean, here's where we are. Here's where we want to go. Here's your role in it. Now let's go. And so thanks so much. Uh, we're all learning, aren't we, Diana? <laughs> we are. We are. Every day I'm evolving and trying, and there's still so much to learn. Um, you know, and one of the things that will teach us is what your, your point here is know the numbers. The numbers will tell you what you know that's right and what's run its course and you need you know it's like time for something new or uh where you you know you need to make a change and so it all comes from knowing where you are in your growth in your numbers thanks so much this has been fantastic and uh i wish you guys all the best in your growth and you know, I'd like to uh, think that maybe we can have a chance to talk down the road in a, a year or two and see how you've uh, uh, expanded to several floors there in the World Trade Center <laughs> and gone into the uh, hundreds of million of dollar in revenue. And so uh, I do want to come see you, though. I do want to come see you. I would love that, Larry. Anytime you're in town, please let me know when you're coming. So I'd love to give you a tour. And thank you so much for allowing me to tell our story. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell, and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.